And, uh, and did he give like kind of a Top Gun speech about stone fruit? I mean, he's like, <laughs> no. you've got to push those plums <laughs> to the limit. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Gen X Temporaneous. This is a podcast where I come up with an idea, I do some research, I grab a bottle of wine, I bring everything to Mark, and he pontificates. In today's episode, we continue our War on Science arc with a discussion about life coaching. It is likely that Mark and I will come to this discussion with two different perspectives, and of course, that probably means some spirited debate, but you all seem to like it when we argue, so this should be a big hit. We appreciate you coming to listen to us each week and invite you to follow Follow us on social media at Xtemporaneous2 on Twitter or Gen X Temporaneous on Facebook. You can find me at Christina Gen X on Twitter and Mark at Mark Eats Peach. We're going to be poking some fun at life coaching in this episode, but we're Gen X. We got our sensitivity chips late in life, and we're still learning how to use them. Hi, Mark Snedeker. Hello, Christina LaRusso. I think everybody here should know that you have all the riz. <laughs> you found, you discovered Riz, huh? Of course. I'm very hip. I'm cool. I know what the kids are up to. Oh, sure. It's over already, man. <laughs> I'm sure it is. And by the time it gets to me, it's definitely uh, I, passe. I actually just discovered that word a couple of days ago. There yeah. On um, Reels, this one guy does it. He's a teacher and he's like teaching freshman boys be like, and then I'm the Rizzly Bear. <laughs> oh, How embarrassing. It's all just right. awful, awful, awful. Uh, all right. Well, Mark, I have some exciting news for you. Are you going to tell me I have all there is? No. Oh, oh, disappointing. I have decided that I'm a life coach. Oh, dear God. Okay. Yep. Um. So do we got to start charging for this podcast, I guess? <laughs> I start, mean- set up an MLM? I mean, what's going on? Uh, yeah. Then that's I, really all it takes, right? That is all it takes. And yeah. that's what we're, uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be digging into the world of life coaching. And by no stretch of the imagination, am I going to be able to cover every element of what life coaching is and right. all the varieties of it? Because it is a very, very big subject. It is. I think that it crosses two arcs, actually, not just war on science, but I right. think also crisis is a meaning. meaning. Yeah. yeah. Crises. Crises of meaning. Well, because it's crises in lots of different yeah. areas. So let's just dive in with a hot take. Life coaches are largely bullshit. Oh, man. <laughs> why, see, okay, why do you think that they're mostly... See, I would say that they're mostly neutral to positive no, no. and that there is a small segment that is kind of smarmy yeah, and bad. I have thoughts. Okay. First of all, if you've ever heard life coaches... Basically, they are a combination of kind of weird positivity and stoicism. They lift a lot from stoicism without really understanding stoicism, I'm Mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. And then like a lot of rah-rah, you can do it type of stuff, right? Mm. And I'm sure we'll discuss this as we go on. There's no real scientific data for what they do. There's no uh, certification that's legitimate in any way. If you listen to them, they all sound like they're selling you a car, right? (laughs) And the most confusing thing is they make it sound like if you don't do it today, the offer is gone. I mean, does the advice have a shelf life? Is it like, this advice is really only applicable for the next 24 hours and I have to come up with more advice. No, it's all a high pressure sales scam for the most part. That's my hot take. Okay. It's shit. Oh, well. uh, Mostly. No. 
Mostly shit. I don't think so. Well, I, you're wrong. I think I think applied in the right way, it can be actually helpful. I think it's mostly how do I want to say this? I don't know. It's at worst. At it's worst, damaging. it's terrible. It's yeah. damaging. In by and large, I think it's a neutral thing. If yeah. it, I don't know that it's super always super successful, but I don't think that most of the time it hurts. But at, there are some times where it, it can be harmful. Right. But you and are we're going to talk about that paying for it. So neutral is not real. I mean, you can pay zero dollars and get neutral. True enough. And again, with life coaching, it's it's on two levels that it can be damaging. And I think it's actually more damaging for people who de- determine, well, hey, I want to become a life coach. And then there's kind of a it's like not an MLM, it, it, right? it is a little bit like an MLM in some cases. Right. And and so I'll teach you my method of life coaching. You kick up to me a percentage of your fees. Potentially. Or you it's not even like that, really. It's not a true pyramid scheme in that way. What it is is um, you come to my school yeah. where I teach you how to life coach. Right. And then in order to maintain the certification that we give you, which you don't ever need, you don't even need. I could say I've got a lot of experience with grief yeah. and I'm going to go out and print up some cards and I'm going to do some research online, talk about grief with people and help them through their grieving right. process and charge them a hundred dollars an hour for my services. Yeah. And that's it. That's all I have to do. And yep. if I'm good at that and I, you know, I work with someone and they say, oh, she was really great when I was going through my grief. Well, then that person, con- another person contacts me and it's kind of through word of mouth and marketing, whatever marketing I might do, yeah. I might go online and I might find a Facebook group of grieving people and insert myself into that Facebook group or whatever else it is. Or as we like or, to call them, customers. <laughs> exactly. Or TikTok right now yeah. has to be huge because I'm seeing so many well, I'm as again, not on TikTok, but I see reels where it's very life coachy. It's very yeah. much like, hey, I can help you with your particularly ADHD, adult yeah. ADHD. If you're experiencing ADHD, uh, just pay attention more and calm down. Not if you're experiencing grief. Advice. If you listen to some jokes, yeah, you know, you'll no, be no. fine. I could uh, that uh, that I feel like I could life coach on grief. I really could. Yeah, but that you know what else they call that? Therapy. (laughs) Well, okay. And that's what we are going to eventually get to is a conversation about therapy and life coaching and how do those two things fit together? And, you know, also where does science fit into all of this? And I think that you and I are going to have some different thoughts on. I think science is like, uh, we are not on the same playing field. Mm -hmm. We're not even in the parking lot. (laughs) We're down the street having a beer. Well, we'll get there. So let's talk a little bit about the history. This is actually a fairly new thing, life coaching. The idea of coach starts in the 1800s. I think 1860s is the first time that they mentioned the word coach associated, 1861 maybe, with uh, sports. Yeah. So coaching in sports sure, is, is... because sports were becoming more professionalized, not just a bunch of guys in mustaches throwing things around on a green somewhere, right? Right. So would you agree that as sports now, we know that sports are not necessarily a science, although there is... A lot of science, science in it today. involved in sure. some sports. But as it becomes more professionalized, which to me would be, if not scientific, then more structured yes and you know there's more thought behind yeah no i think science i think it becomes more scientific as well but that's when a coach comes into play so there could be like because eventually what i want to talk about is whether or not science underpins coaching certainly under underpins psychology all right so it could be that then right like as things become more structured and more certainly it could be scientific okay okay so then life coaching 
as a discipline has roots in a number of fields, including adult education, the human potential Wait, movement. Wait, the Hall Notes song? No. Oh. <laughs> the human potential movement in the 1960s. Oh, right. Yeah, they were into EST and all that crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, large group awareness training, groups such as Earhart Seminars Training, which were founded in 1971. <laughs> What's that, what's that smell? Is that a cult? <laughs> Lead- <laughs> I'm smelling cult. <laughs> <laughs> Leadership studies. Yes. Personal development yes. and various subfields of psychology. The University of Sydney offered the world's first coaching psychology unit of study in January 2000, and various academic associations and academic journals for coaching exist. Yes. So this has become. Oh, coaching in general? Well, I'm but coaching. Fine with Life that. coaching and coaching. Yeah. Within coaching, there are various types of coaches. Yes, I will agree with that. niche coaches is really the word that I'm looking for. Do you think that kind of grew out of the idea of kind of motivational speakers and... Well, I think motivational speakers grew out of those movements. Oh, okay. Because I thought like, you know, they always have uh, whatever, some, you know, enormo accounting firm will have their annual meeting and they'll bring in an astronaut, right? Or a guy who hit a baseball really far this one time, right? Mm-hmm. And they'll have them come in to presumably communicate some of whatever skills that they had yes. that they hope to transfer to their sales force, yes. force which I believe is also 100% bullshit. <laughs> I don't think that these skills are very transferable unless you're trying to create a great softball team. But I think feel like and then that became even more professionalized and then a guy you know you know the tony robbins style or the uh i live in a van down by the river guy right (laughs) develop these programs right (laughs) and i think i mean i don't remember hearing the term life coach before those guys i remember hearing it after those guys well uh, that's where life coaching is springing from so you have these things those groups that i was talking about so the human potential movement and large group awareness training and from that, those kinds of things, then come people who are like motivational speakers. Yeah. And even today, I will tell you, because I go to a lot of conventions yeah. and there's always some keynote speaker who is meant to motivate us. Sales right. meetings, especially right. like sales meetings, you get somebody that's going to be in there tra- telling you. And, and there is this, there is sort of an art to selling. There is a, there are steps that you can there take is. to improve your ability to sell. You have to tweak them. You can't just robotically yeah. do those things. But what I seem to see, and it's interesting that you said that about the astronaut, because I recently saw a guy who was a former Blue Angel. Yeah. And he was the most engaging and most yeah. interesting of all the speakers that I've seen. But what they tend to do is they they leave their profession. They've been successful within their profession. They yeah. a lot of times start a foundation. Yeah. But whatever drove them to success in their field, they then try to, as you said, take it apart. And then they say, well, these are the steps yeah. that we apply. And that skill set is applicable across uh, disciplines. And can I, be, it yeah. can, it can, Well, and especially if the speaker is a good speaker, they can relate it to whatever. Yeah. So this guy was talking to, to a room full of produce professionals, was extremely motivational in what he was saying. And, uh, and Did he give like kind less. of a Top Gun speech about stone fruit? I mean, he's like, <laughs> no. you've got to push those plums <laughs> to the limit. 
<laughs> no, it wasn't like that at all. But it was just really about attitude and, yeah. and how, how to have a you Look, know, I think, right attitude. I think at best they're very entertaining and they might jazz you up for the day. Plus he did show some like behind the scenes things. Of course, from see, Top that's Gun. cool. But see, that's cool. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. And you're you're entertaining your, your guests, right? Your attendees. But how many people took that and went, yeah, you know what? I'm going to be, I'm going to apply this Blue Angel uh, technique to my sales and actually carry that through. I think it's very rare. But yes, I think that you're right. I think that you get motivational speakers who come out of that sort of yeah. field. Now, and those people are making oh, huge, big money. I huge mean, the, amounts of money too. Every single politician who, you know, has some measure of success, their guaranteed income after they leave whatever legislative body they were in is the speaking tour. Yeah. And they're paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to come in and give a one-hour speech to Merrill Lynch or whoever uh, with questionable benefit, I would argue, other than it keeps them kind of uh, engaged with Merrill Lynch in case they need some political favors later on. Mm -hmm. That's what I think. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Merrill Lynch. I'm going to go back and I'm going to give you some um, numbers here about life coaching. In 2019, for an example, there were 33,594 accredited members of a group called the International Coaching Federation. ICF is considered the main accrediting and credentialing body for both training programs and coaches. Do you think we should use air quotes when we say accredited? (laughs) I kind of feel like we should. Even though you can't, you don't have to. There are groups that do this. And this is the most respected one. ICF. So they, they make you go to this class for nine months instead well, and of then, a week. And then, yeah. like I said earlier, what I started to say earlier yeah. is then they make you keep coming back. Of course. So that you your your accreditation lasts for only so long, and then you have to go back again and get updated and get updated. That's and, the business model of the 21st century. 100%. Subscription-based. So, yep. And so in 2019, 33,594 members. 2020, 39,787 members. Then to 2021, the COVID years. Yeah. Oh, my God. 50,748 members. 2022, 56,400 members. So in co- during COVID, like, you know people are, are, are online going, oh, what's life? Co-? And I, I'm telling you, you, yeah. you hear about it and you go, oh, well, you know, what's that? Shit, oh, I could do that. I, 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 I'm going to do that. Yeah. And they provide we missed you. Our, we missed our opportunity. Maybe we should have done that instead. <laughs> you could have done a podcast yeah. giving life yeah. advice. Oh, I mean, my I God. have no problem sharing my opinions. <laughs> I, don't, I have no spe- special training. I mean, Why not? <laughs> I at least understand well, stoicism somewhat. Okay. What's I mean, we're not giving advice, right? But no. we are just kind of talking out of our ears. Yeah, like, but <laughs> but again, that's that's what humans do, right? We talk to each other about our problems. We may even offer advice, but we're not putting ourselves in the position, at least you're, oh, you're not. I might do it occasionally of being experts in the field where you should follow our advice and give us money. Although, just saying, mm-hmm. maybe give us money. I mean. You don't have to, if you find but us do it because we're entertaining, not because exactly. we're giving you advice. My God, don't take our Oh yeah, advice. don't pay for the advice because we don't want to be held liable De- for that. Definitely not. Um, all right. So life coaches are based in 161 countries worldwide. So this is not, although mostly in the United States. Yeah, of course, because uh, we're suckers. <laughs> uh, there's an estimated global revenue of 2849 Billion. No, oh, that's not that big. Dollars of a deal. in 2019. Yeah, but so I feel now like I feel like it's gonna the, be it's gonna be much higher. It's I feel be, like the econ- the economy for Pokemon cards is that big. So. <laughs> yeah, well, but still, that's a some that's untapped a big- resources out there. You sh- you shysters. <laughs>
Uh, Okay, according to a report by the International Coaching Federation, again, the ICF, the typical coaching client is between 35 and 44 years old, which was 37%. A little under one in three clients, 30% are in the 45 to 54. So it's Gen X X. and millennials. Millennials, yeah. Coach practitioners most frequently engage with their clients in person. Almost one in four always engage on that basis while close to one and two do so frequently. The use of audio video platforms has doubled in the past four years. No surprise. So, you know, we're seeing many, many more. Skype life coaching. Right, right. The revenue and income received from coaching is linked to a variety of factors. Criminality. (laughs) Scam level. (laughs) Griff. Yes, uh, no, oh, inc- for sure, Griff. <laughs> including attributes of the coach practitioner, the range and mix of services offered, and client attributes. Years of experience continues to be the most important predictor of a coach's income and revenue from coaching. Yeah, because you have a bigger you client. Build a, you build a clientele, right? Client base, right. As we mentioned, there are no formal education requirements necessary for life coaching, and the job is not at all regulated by a federal or state agency. There is no need for a license. Which, Except for maybe as a marketing device. Well, I was reading, I, I, I kind of really dove in and started trying to find coaches online and, yeah. and, and read what, you know, their blogs and things like that. Right. And a couple of them were saying things like, we know that you it's not that you don't need to, but if you really want to get into coaching, it behooves you to do this. However, many of them said, most of our clients don't ask for our cred- credentials. because yeah, they're in but crisis. I mean, do you, but what do you do? You know, you go to a doctor and you assume your doctor is going to yeah. be a doctor. I mean, I you, think might you might peek at the wall yeah, just to see. What, what are you doing going? But you're, if you're in a hospital, you'll never see his office, right? No, you're, right. What no, you know, where he graduated no or, or she graduated. Maybe we should right. start doing that. Like, what you get on your MCATs? <laughs> While it is not required, it is recommended that you become uh, accredited. And so to be accredited by, again, the ICF, a training program must meet a number of criteria. So ICF will have their own classes, but they also will partner with other... The license, they franchise out the training. They, the, well, they put their seal of approval on yeah. it. So yeah. among the criteria those programs must meet, it must offer a minimum of 125 hours of contact between students and faculty. Six hours of observed coaching sessions, which means you, you either in person or you could tape your sessions and then yeah. send those. Ten hours of mentor coaching. Keep that in mind. And okay. a performance evaluation. If you are a mentor coach, some of your income will come from coaching coaches. Yeah, see, that's the MLM part. That's the MLM part. I, how come you told me to remember mentor coaching and then brought it up again eight seconds later? Oh, Were you afraid that it would slip I my did, mind I guess. in I, that I, period I, of time? I got so excited, everyone. <laughs> um, yeah, see, that's where it gets even sketchier, right? Because now you're tur- you're turning it into a volume business. Right. And I was like, okay, I want to see where some of, like, what does it cost? So I went and I looked to see just programs that were ICF certified. Newfield Network, $11,400 tr- to transform the way you see and are in the world through Newfield's ontological approach and learn to coach others to do the same. So they obviously Googled some philosophy terms. <laughs> logical Yes, approach. that's great. Yep. Um, but here's the thing. When I hear something called new field, <laughs> I actually hear cult. <laughs> right? Doesn't that sound like, welcome to new field. New field network. Here, here's your 
a Newfield issued tennis shoes and jogging suit. <laughs> well, how about, how about how about George Mason George Mason University? I, Does that give you I, cult vibes? No, that <laughs> is a legitimate university located in Northern Virginia. Okay. Um, I didn't take any classes there, but I've seen many rock music concerts there. All right, all so right. So I saw Sting. Oh, at George Mason University. <laughs> okay, so nothing like the Sun. It was they, a great, great concert. They offer a leadership coaching for organizational well-being. Ten thousand four hundred ninety-five dollars will get you certified in that, and you will learn how to use strengths-based approaches and methodologies and transformative practices that deepen self-awareness, develop coaching presence, and facilitate organizational well-being. Okay. <laughs> it's a lot of word salad, right? Okay. Sure is. But then you can, I mean, there's a value system as well. Professional coach certification work li- by work life destinations. $11.67. No, 1000 I thought you were going to say I, it's eleven dollars oh, $1,195. You can become a certified professional coach. In 30 minutes. Start coaching clients and earning income in one weekend. Wow, that is fucked up. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> You train people longer than that to like run a register at Publix, right? Right. So it's, it's that's it's a, not that's not okay. It's a, wow. it's a right. little. It's not a lot. Look, it's a and, little. And I should I should say one kind of caveat as we go. I do think there probably exist in the world decent, helpful life coaches. I, I've said I think the, same the thing. problem is they're coaching life, which is way, way, way too big of a subject. But uh, we'll get there. Yeah. The ones that I was talking about yeah. before were business, business yeah. coaches. No, no, I know. And, but even into- those, if you listen to the description of it and you don't know what they're talking about, it's bullshit. You want to become a life coach, Mark. Yeah. Here's how you you do it. Step one, assess your personality traits and skills to learn how to become a life coach. Oh, I thought step one would be to Google it. <laughs> well, that's it. So yeah. here are the top qualities right. and skills that you will need in order to learn how to become a life coach. Okay. To be curious. Tell me more about that. <laughs> you have to be an adept listener. Huh? <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's really not, doesn't sound like it's my thing. Good verbal and written communications. Oh. Sweet. <laughs> Empathy. Oh, no. no. <laughs> See, I think that's a mistake. And then extreme care and love for helping others. Mm, eh, Not that much. You have to be skilled at asking questions. What mean by that? (laughs) And you have to be intuitive, which is something that you hate. You hate intuition. Although you were I was intuitive, and then I fixed it. They beat beat it out of you. They did. They beat it out of me. (laughs) All right. So step step two, then, explore your personal goals. So as a prospective coach, it is important to get very clear on your personal and financial goals. When you know what you're striving for, it becomes easier to create a plan and to achieve it. So get, figure out how much money you want to make. So they say, review your financials. Get yeah. clear on how much money you need and how much money you would like to earn each year. Are you wanting a part-time job or a side hustle? Is wow. Your, See, that's not a good thing to call it. Is your goal to create a full-time life coaching empire? Oh, my God. You can they, expect- So many red flags. You can expect to earn between $100 to $10,000 an hour life coaching. Okay. I would pick the 10000 one. Yeah, well, it's- Definitely going to be way on the lower side. Why? Because it's just are not you a doubting very, my skills. Most life coaches are not making. They're, yes, they're not, not. They're they're making under sixty thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, being clear about your goals will be key as you begin to identify the education and skills you need, need to achieve success. It will also help you as you plan how to grow and market your business in the future. And that's another key. Yeah, of course. That's the most important thing is Is the ability marketing. to market. Yeah. And we as podcasters have found out. It's not easy. The hardest part by far, I think, well, for me is editing. I don't do the marketing, but I would say that the hardest part is actually to do the uh, marketing. Yeah, it is. The marketing is really hard. And if you're not, we really should be spending much more spending much more time yeah. marketing, but we, we have lives and stuff and eight don't. podcasts. So, well, mm-hmm. all right. So step three, determine your niche. And here is where right. we're going to get into some of the, the variety that mm-hmm. is in life coaching. Okay. So we talked about business coaching, uh, relationship coach, health and wellness coach, spiritual coach. Oh God. Uh, How's that? A uh, thing? So let's let's talk about what. Like, talk about not having to answer to science in any way. <laughs> I'm going to improve your aura in 60 days. <laughs> All right, let's talk about what kind what what some of these coaches do. So business coaches, some are executive coaches. They can help fix broken teams. A lot of, for me, it seemed to me that. Business coaching is more about consulting, but yeah. it's not because there are well, engineers go into consulting. You know, they'll go, you'll have change. And a lot of engineers go into like change management. Those are the ones that are consultants. But then I know that there are business coaches, right? Yeah. So many executive business coaches are focusing. Their major focus for them is to help clients to create a better work-life balance. Yeah. So it gets down to the personal. Uh, there's also business coaches who are focusing on those who are looking for a career overhaul. So they're helping you to rework your resume and how to do well in in interviews. And And that reminds me of the coaches that are available to help students get into college. There is a whole market in that. Uh, here's Here's a very special one. Christian coaches. Christian life coaches focus on helping clients align their lives with Christian expectations and values. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's I not mean, enough to I'll go to I'll tell you church. what, I might consider paying a little bit just to watch one of those. Oh, my God. Can but I would imagine? never recommend anybody do that. Oh, my God. All right, relationship coaches. So this yeah. is different from couples counseling. Right, which makes it worse. This is, although you might think that this niche is all about fixing broken relationships. Yeah. Or helping clients find their partner, it is actually much more complex. Uh, relationship coaching focuses on friendships, people skills, yeah. family relationships. I would argue that something that we are going to be looking at in more depth in the next episode might fit in here. Yeah, which is narcissist coaches. Yes, and I think it, from a properly licensed and trained therapist, that would be very interesting. And we'll see. We'll learn more about that. Divorce coaching is also a type of relationship coach. It's not that hard. Well, I guess it can be hard. Unlike yeah. the, unlike lawyers, divorce coaches are there to help with the emotional side of right. divorce. And they'll help you through that that process, which I think I could really cover in my grieving coaching. You probably could handle um, that. Yeah, so, I think it'd be applicable. You know what? Don't bother calling. Call me, you guys. Yeah, call, just call to Christina. Reach out. Just yeah. $10,000 an extem- hour. <laughs> extemporaneous pod. At gmail.com. That's right. <laughs> we put the headline, need your help with grief. That's right. I, I'm going to need a $50,000 deposit. It's a $10,000 an hour Right. Minimum service. five hours. 
<laughs> I've got some packages that I've put together. I mean, I haven't got stickers. I, I could think. Could they have stickers? Yeah, you can have a windbreaker if you want <laughs> at the end if you graduate. I'm not sad anymore. That's what That's it was. Right. Hashtag sad no more. Successfully divorced. Thumbs up. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, financial coaches. Who will help you right now? Budget a, a financial and consultant or an analyst or advisor. I can see how that would be useful. Yeah, but this is not that. I this know is, that's yeah, the problem. This is somebody who is helping you create budgets and yeah. guiding you to make better choices. Well, right. what's, uh, why don't you just go see a guy at Merrill Lynch? Uh, personal development coaches. Yeah, like the personal development coaches are uh, like we must, we must, we <laughs> must increase our bus. No, the hustle mentality isn't uh, new, but clients often go through periods of feeling unable to move forward with their personal development goals. Yeah. So, you know, you want to do something, you you want to do it, you just don't, you're not quite sure how to get there. So that, then you get a coach who will, um, because they at one point in time or another have themselves felt stuck. Yeah. We'll be able to help you get unstuck and move towards your goal. Uh, and this is a really popular type of coaching. When I was looking again, when I was doing the research into these these different types of coaches, they, there are some that are just like, let you know, I'm going to coach you how to keep your house organized. That's yeah. like Marie Kondo, honestly. Yeah, I don't know who that is. Marie Kondo, you don't remember? It may the shock Kondo you way? to learn that I have not participated in a lot of house organizational training. <laughs> well, that, that is actually <laughs> true. But for a while back, she was so popular on Netflix and she told you that like her way of doing it was like if you would go into your closet and you're like trying to call things, right. touch it and hold it and see if it brings you a feeling of joy. If it does not bring you a feeling of joy, get rid of it. I would have no socks. <laughs> <laughs> like I have no socks that really give me joy, but I do need socks. Yeah. I think Maria is a little off base there. But yeah. Okay. So she's, uh, she would be one of these. Like, I think that that would be. I can tell you that every t-shirt I own gives me joy. Health and wellness coaches. Yes. These are people who help you put, put together right. a, a, a health and um, like a exercise regime. Right. It's and, like an unlicensed dietitian. Right. Yeah. And um, work out and things like that. Sure. I mean, what? Why wouldn't you just have a trainer? Yeah, like personal trainer and a dietitian. Done. Yeah. Um, okay. Now, trainers also probably don't have to go through very much training either. Oh no, they you just I look know, for a no, guy with know, big muscles. No, right? I know, I know some some people who. Well, I I mean maybe not, but I know that the people that that I know that work at clubs actually yeah. go to oh, school sure, yeah. for that. Like it's kinesiology. Kinesiology, right? sure. Uh, the study help, of knees. Right, right. <laughs> uh, recovery coaches. So from the drugs. Yeah. Okay. Well, again. See here that I that would trouble me. Although I mean, isn't uh, AA kind technically of technically that's what it is? Don't you think that having a sponsor sure is kind of the same thing Look, as having I, a, I, somebody who's coaching you through? Yeah. Your recovery? If you had a coach that's kind of a rah rah and a hold you accountable type of coach, I can see some value there. Transitional coaches. Transitional coaches help you through those big moments. They can be exciting, but they can be scary and uprooting too. This is to cope with big life changes. Oh, okay. So helping to put things into perspective. This is like if you're going to an empty nest situation. So then there is this other thing that I came across and I found it fascinating. It is called psychosynthesis. This is a, this is a kind of coaching. It is like a spiritual coaching. Okay. I, I, I'm going to read at length what psychosynthesis is. 
Psychosynthesis is a psychology with a soul. It is a spiritual psychology that brings together both the psychology and science of the psyche and our deeper spiritual essence, exploring the potential and purpose within each of us. If this were a soccer game and someone used the phrase science of the psyche, I would give them a yellow card. <laughs> there you can that's that this is the kind of thing you know that makes me the most crazy well, because they're just making things up. Well, let's just read let's read yeah. the, the continue on. Okay, through various methods and techniques, it recognizes no, none of which we're going to outline for you here. It recognizes our innermost truth, the self. Oh, that, you know that is true. That changes everything. <laughs> Supporting us to achieve greater presence, self-awareness. Oh, presence. And authenticity. Of course. Uh, let's see. Uh, who is big on that? Uh, Heidegger. <laughs> Loved authenticity. It also develops and strengthens our will, our ability to make decisions that align with who we are and what we truly deeply want. This is young. Yeah. Ultimately leading towards greater harmony and participation among people, groups, societies, and the world as a whole. Of course. Oh. Why not just open it up to the whole fucking <laughs> this world? Is, this is right. So when you read these things, these are this is like red flags to me. Yeah, it should be red flags. Psychosynthesis applies psychological methods that promote the natural tendency in each of us to harmonize and synthesize our various aspects at ever more inclusive levels of organization as an evolutionary psychology psychosynthesis consciously cooperates with the natural process of personal and transpersonal development as each, yeah as each person must be Mark, you sound so enthusiastic. My head is exploding right I know, now. it doesn't mean anything. As each person must be treated as an individual, an effort must be made to choose the methods best suited to each person's existential situation, psychological type, goals, desires, and path of development. Cogito ergo sum. Some of the methods more commonly used include guided imagery, movement, gestalt techniques, oh. Self-identification, creativity, meditation, will development, symbolic artwork. And crystals. You <laughs> journal, forgot crystals. Journal keeping, ideal models, and development of intuition. Tell me what you think about this. Okay, let's say I, I'm going to be a life coach, right? Uh-huh. And my thing is going to be authenticity. What if I say you have to accept your temporality, <laughs> listen to your own conscience mm. and act with resoluteness while straying from idle talk, curiosity and ambiguity, which constitute inauthenticity. I love you. you would say, me. then you would say, Professor Heidegger. I think that's amazing. <laughs> that's Heidegger. Me, man. Yeah, exactly. But that's what they do. They kind of skim the surface of philosophy and psychology and they create this amalgam of bullshittery <laughs> that they then serve up as if it's useful. It seems to me that the most important thing you can do as one of these, especially one of the more nebulous kinds of life coaches is really you want to come up with buzzwords and imagery, right? Because really that's all it is, is, is you give these people this image, they can lock in on you, teach them some buzzwords that they can repeat in a very cult-like manner, by the way. And, 
and I mean, think back on it. I mean, we we did extensive work on Nexium, right? Uh-huh. Tell me they're not doing these exact same well, things. Well, we're, we're going to get there. That's oh, well, I'm be sorry. Next... I didn't know that I was jumping yeah, no, 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 the no, no, shark no. But that's here, but... it's good because yeah. this conversation then is yeah. is is going in the direction that it, it seemed to make sense to me as I was right. as I was doing the research. Right. Now, of course, I'm doing this research and I didn't I went into it with somewhat of a bias, which is, you know, like what? What on earth is life coaching? I just yeah. keep hearing, I keep hearing more and more about it. And really, what is it? And how does it work? And I, I've had a, a couple of run-ins recently, not all that you know, with, over the last couple of years. Yeah, with people who life coachy kind of people, life coachy people who I saw who self-identify as life coaches. Yeah, in one way or another, and it it's struck me as opportunistic. Which yes. fair enough. I mean, what's wrong with being opportunistic? And, the, and this, if you're, you know, authentic about it. And this gets to kind of the next couple of steps in, in how to determine whether or not you should be in life coaching. One is step four is research certifi- certification programs. And the other is step five, prepare to start your business. business. And ultimately, there is where th- this lies which is it's a business the the goal here is to make money there's not and help people and wait look by the way that's fine because doctors have to think about their business you have to think about it as scientists have to think about their career possibly their business you know shop owners whatever i i'm okay with that but it gets just it just gets seedy when it's it's a business that many many times a large percentage of time i think provides something of questionable value with questionable uh, measurable results. You know, you're going and you're looking for someone who is at a moment potentially Absolutely. of crisis. Now, right. not so much with the business yeah. coaching, but certainly most of the others, you know, grief coaching, success, uh, success coach, transition coaching, uh, d- you're at transition coaching, financial coaching. A lot of times I bet. Yeah. You know, relationship coaching for sure. Yeah. The life coaching blogs that I looked at, one of the things that they talk about doing is make sure that you're building your packages yeah. that you have. You're not thinking just about one-on-one get that subscription, but maybe you're thinking about doing, maybe you're thinking about doing a group. So, so then you, you say, okay, you you could do an hour where you're working one-on-one with person, but what if you have group practice as well? And you say to the people that you're working with one-on-one, well, I'm also had to have group, I have a group meeting and you put some donuts on the table or whatever else. And the 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 overhead is not so much, but you're instead of charging one person $200 an hour, now you're charging 10 people $200 for that same one hour. And that's the kind of stuff that they're encouraged to do. Well, it's smart business. Of course, yeah. But, and and if it helps, it helps, right? Like if if it's worth it to those people, again, it's their money if it's worth it to those people. But I think that there are some people who walk away from these situations, maybe initially feeling energized, but then come away and say, well, what did this really do for me? Yeah, it's like empty calories, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, wow, I'm I'm all jazzed up now. Wait, I don't have any actual skills or plan. All the problems I had before, I still have. Mm -hmm. I have no idea how to really put this into practice. How is that really working, right? I have a confession to make. Oh boy, what is it? Are you ready? Yes. All right. Now, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before. Oh, boy. <laughs> but I majored in philosophy <laughs> oh, God. when I was in college. <laughs> yes. And, of course, we'd always joke about, you know, oh, philosopher, what are you going to do for a living? Yeah, right. And I used to joke that I'm like, I would love to just be able to, like, 
put a little laurel wreath on a door somewhere and say, the philosopher is in and have people come in and ask me questions about life. And I would provide them with answers. She really just wanted to be a cult leader. That's kind of right. But, you know, <laughs> at that point, I hadn't it's really wrong. factored in the whole, you know, uh, weird sex slavery type parts of it, which typically go along with these. But, you know, and I was joking around about it. But at a certain point when, the you know, like uh, online stuff was getting going, I'm like, could I do that as kind of a quasi serious, jokey kind of, I don't know, maybe almost thing? And then I decided I'm like, no. I can't. Why? But because it would take it would take it would time take a lot and, of time. And, investment. and I was yeah. like, uh, you know, it's not like I got a master's in philosophy mm. or a PhD. You know, I'm only comfortable in certain Western philo- philosophical schools, and I'm not sure that Nietzsche is always the best uh, approach for whatever. <laughs> but um, but I did for a period of time think, I wonder if I could do that. Now you only get a few seconds. You answer the question. I give you a glib, off the cuff answer. That's it. Give me your money. Have a nice day. For $40? Well, I mean, I hadn't pass. set the price point. I mean, oh, how much would you pay? <laughs> a nickel. Maybe. Oh, come on. I'm not Lucy. <laughs> yeah, you are, actually. Well, maybe I am. <laughs> I guess that's technically what I am, right? I'm Lucy. I just put up a shingle with no training whatsoever, and I'm taking nickels from kids. So one of the things that... I grappled with as I was doing this research, and, and this is partly because we both watched a very, it's a brief documentary, yeah. but it's a documentary about sort of scammy life coaching. Right. Apparently all in the Toronto area. In, in Canada. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and how, where does it rub up against psychology? Yeah. Because in a lot of cases it does. Uh, a yeah. Cognitive beha- behavioral therapy is kind of one of the keystones of, yeah. of life coaching. I read an a really good article, and of course, as always, our resource, our sources are going to be in our episode notes. Yes. But it was written by a psychologist who also does life coaching. Yes. And she said the way that psychology and life coaching, they're great fit to work yeah. together. Do you, can you guess why? Yeah, because well, life coaching is basically amateur psychology, right? Well, no, it's actually two separate things. Right. She would say, and yeah. she would say that oh, you have to deal with the underlying you have to trauma do, right. and so issues. Psychology or deals with the past, yeah, and life coaching. So, once you've kind of exposed your shadow and you right, picked right. through that and you've done like the oh, work okay, to understand, well, <laughs> I know it's true. We love once you're once you've figured out all of the stuff that. M- makes you who you are whatever yes. and and some of the bad things that are in there and you're you're cleaning all of that out then you have to have a path forward right and and usually if you've had if you're struggling with something you are um uh if it's depression or whatever else there are these it's taken a while to build up to get you to the point where you are yeah. you know you've 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 learned behavior that you stick to it's a, a pattern right. that you fall right. into and then life coaching can help you get out of that pattern, break that pattern and make different choices and learn how to make different choices that will then help you break away from that right. pattern. Because if you're in that original pattern, yeah. you're just going to stay in that rut. Right. Well, life coaching might be able to take you out of it. See, and, and I that's, I think, the big problem is because if you do life coaching without addressing any of the reasons why you need the coaching in the first place and mm-hmm. just give them a plan. Like, let's say, let's talk about sport coaching, mm-hmm. right? You want to be teach someone to be an Olympic sprinter, <laughs> right? You do not start day one saying, okay, we're looking for a sub 10 hundred meters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're going to run uh, for about five hours today. <laughs> you know, uh, I want you eating uh, 3,000 calories a day, all lean meat, 
you know, whatever. You don't start them at that point. Right. You have to get them to that point until they're ready to learn how to be an Olympic sprinter. First, you have to get them up off the couch, you know, drop 40 pounds, whatever it is. They have to actually be in a, you know, go to be a high school runner, be a college runner, whatever it is. You can't just start them running at that point. And I think that's the big problem I have with life coaches is even if their program is good, for the most part, they're giving it to people who are ill prepared to implement it. Correct. And the underlying issues exist and still exist. And what can happen is people can go to life coaches and life coaches are not supposed, they're not licensed to practice psychology. And they're supposed to, you know, say that Right up front, hey, if you have psychological problems, I'm not your guy. Right. So let me ask you this question, because as you can see, by and large, life coaching is really leading towards that crisis of meaning. And yeah. and it's because of what we went, we went, we kind of touched on, which is life coaches are necessarily looking for people who are in moments of crisis, who yes. need help. With something. And so one of the predatory things that I saw, and this is this is in the last two years, was with a with a group of women. This again, this is the Willverse fandom. Were they ghosts? Oh, okay. No, it's the Willverse fandom. It's like female ghost anonymous. Something that <laughs> we feel so unseen. Something that we've <laughs> something <laughs> ridiculous. Some something that we've talked about multiple we times. Have. Episode 53, 54, 55 uh, is our Willverse episodes if you are unfamiliar with that, i might want to go back and listen to them but anyway a, it's entertaining this group of women largely gen x women claimed to feel unseen yes which and, is legitimate which is legitimate right. and they felt seen by this young man on tiktok okay so into this mix was a woman who is a life coach oh and she advertised a retreat that was going to happen specifically for this fandom and within this fandom this is this was her audience right yeah. so so smart business move right. because she knows that this fandom is spent has a lot of obviously has a lot of uh, disposable income disposable income that they are willing to spend she hooked up with one of the mothers of one of the uh one of the TikTok boys and that woman claimed to be a spirituality coach oh, good. and then there was a life coach and they were going to have this retreat in Canada where yes. the boys are. Right. One of the things that she had in her advertising material was, do you feel unseen? She knows that they of felt course, they unseen. all feel unseen. And you know what? At a certain, it's kind of like a horoscope thing, right? You make it so vague and so generally applicable mm-hmm. that everybody's going to go, yes, mm-hmm. they're speaking but, to me. But specifically, this woman knew that that yeah. was an issue. Yeah. She knew That's that they felt unseen. That's an issue with unseen. generally women of that generation. Or, well, maybe, can but often experience with, that. Certainly with women within this fandom because yes. they had talked about it. Right. And now come to this retreat and you're going to feel less We're gonna see unseen. You. We're gonna, you're going to be seen. We're going to talk to you about how to feel better about like yourself for five minutes you just come up to them and just <laughs> look at them stare at them <laughs> but i mean okay so to me that's predatory yes and uh especially if you are dispensing a product of questionable value right so then i started thinking about well okay this is clearly crisis of meaning stuff yes as but what about war on science? I think it's definitely war on science. And here's the question then for you. And this is, I think, where you and I are going to part ways. Bye. Is psychology a science? Actually, I think it is. Wow. It's a, it's a squishy, then we're not it's a squishy ass science. <laughs> and it's not, 
anywhere near as well developed as many of its practitioners think or pretend. But yes, of course it's science, right? They, I mean, look, you can't just do the Skinner box if you're not doing science. That's just being a sadist. Psychology, obviously psychiatry, you know, the medical equivalent of it is definitely a science. But no, I think psychology is a science, but it's not very far advanced. And it is very prone to improvisation or filling in with facts and details that maybe aren't present. But I think at its best, psychology is scientific. All right. So there was a lot of there was an interesting debate that was happening back uh, in 2012, 2013 about this subject. And I'm sure that it's gone. It's more than that. But this is the this is what I found. Right. And, And there's an article, an editorial in the Los Angeles Times, Why Psychology Isn't Science. Right. By Alex Berzo. And Alex says the dismissive attitude scientists have towards psychologists isn't rooted in snobbery. It's rooted in an intellectual frustration. It's rooted in the failure of psychologists to acknowledge that they don't have the same claim on secular truth that the hard sciences do. It's rooted in the tired exasperation that scientists feel when non-scientists try to pretend they are scientists. Psychology often does not meet the five basic requirements for a field to be considered scientifically rigorous, clearly defined terminology, quantifiability, highly controlled experimental conditions, reproducibility, and finally, predictability and testability. Yes. And those are extremely important. The thing about science is it has to be, if it's not testable, like if you can't imagine, for example, a set of circumstances that would disprove your theory, like you're not willing to say what would disprove your theory, Mm -hmm. your theory is not based on evidence, Mm -hmm. right? If it's not reproducible... Science has to be reproducible. The laws of science don't vary from day to day. Now, of course, you're dealing with individuals and individual personalities, and that makes it much more challenging. But I think there are limitations and a lot of room to grow for psychology. And I think they are prone somewhat to becoming unscientific at times because they don't want to just say, I know you're having all these problems. We really don't know what to do. I don't have any double blind studies I can throw in front of you. We're going to try some stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's where it becomes a little bit more art than science. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I just don't think that they're as far along as they should be, maybe. When you think about science or a psychology, there they do a lot of things like what is happiness test like yeah. And psychology is very subjective. Psychology is also not one size fits all. Human beings are not all the same. There's no monolith. You can say, well, most right. humans feel this way, or most humans do that, or most humans would describe being happy as X Y Z. But happy to me is going to be a different thing than it is to someone who's in Europe, than sure. it is to someone more so like in Asia. They might have a diff- very different understanding of, of what happiness is. And so, and I, I don't know if this is a bit far afield, but I was listening to a podcast the other day where they were talking about the difficulty of understanding other creatures. And they were talking about octopuses mm-hmm. who are clearly sentient, right? Clearly clever, but have just a very, very different existence than we do. But at the by the same token, it's very hard. And I, obviously, I can't imagine what it's like to be an octopus. Not only do you have a centralized brain, but each one of your arms has a bit of a brain as well. And your arms are really more like tongues. It would be a very different kind of existence. I can't possibly understand it. But at, by the same token, 
I can't possibly really understand what you're going through right now. No. You might give me some clues. Well, it's very difficult for you because of the complete lack of empathy. Not a complete, I'm not a psychopath. <laughs> I have a teaspoon of empathy. <laughs> But yeah, it's very difficult to understand what's going on inside of other people's heads. And, you know, they do that little thought experiment when you're, uh, you know, at least when I was in the little nerd group in high school where they're like, you know, do you think everybody sees colors the same? And no. Like, well, but. Well, you're like, yeah, sure. Why not? But then you think about it. You're like, well, how would I know? Right. You have no way of knowing. And chances are we do see them slightly different. Right. We have different eyes. You know, mine are worse than yours. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a different amount of cones in their eyes, whatever, you know, whatever it is. It's very hard to understand other people. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I understand that psychologists have a very, very hard job, but I would like to see more rigor, just general. And this is just my general impression. Obviously, I'm not an expert in psychology. I don't read the literature, et cetera. But when we talk about like a lot of the scientific studies in the last 20 years are just not reproducible, I bet a lot of them are psychology papers because it's very difficult to reproduce those. And you have to be very, you can't, if you're a rocket science scientist, you send it up, if it blows up, okay, you go back to the drawing board. You can't really do that with people apparently. Well, here's the thing. I think that you get... With any of the soft sciences, and history is one of them, sociology is another yeah. one of them, psychology, all, all of them are, are soft sciences. It doesn't yeah. mean that they are not anthropology. It relies- pretty hard. Well, no, but anthropology has elements that are, yeah. are hard science, but yeah. cultural anthropology, right. what you end up having to do is you end up having to get to a very sort of essentialist kind of- it's hard because you want to stay away from essentialism. But in order to get things in the aggregate and say, well, this is this is what this means, mm-hmm. you need to be able to say, well, humans are essentially this. Yeah. And here is how they behave. If you put a human who is essentially this in right. this situation, a human is going to usually respond this way. And then, you know, OK, that's an essentialist argument. And I have I have problems with that as a historian because I like the individual stories. I like the individual experiences of history. But well, all that this does is it moves you to an actual science, which is statistics. Yes. And so then you then you're into statistics and numbers and you turn soft science into a harder science by saying, well, statistically, this is what this seems sure. to show. And right? I think that that's re- I think that would be a reasonable thing to understand as a psychologist. Like in this case, you know, the large majority will fall into this range right here. Yeah. Right. And then the smaller majority will fall into this range and then try to figure out why that is. Da, da, da. But I don't have a problem with them not being able to predict exactly someone's behavior. I understand that that's I mean, you can't even always predict a subatomic particles to behavior. So I'm not going to ask that of them. Well, and here's the one of the elements of psychology that everybody was super excited about. And still to this day, I think a lot of people pay attention to this and believe in this when maybe it's not that great which is behavioral analysis, which then they apply to find serial killers and things yeah, like that. Yeah. You know, so they say profiling, profiling, yeah, profiling yeah. right? And now it's been think kind it's of, mostly bullshit. it's been yeah. now kind of debunked that the, yeah. the profiling really isn't as accurate. But it's nice to think that it is because it makes us feel better. It makes we us can feel, identify, we have a little bit more control over yes, chaotic situations. The thing about that you, I'd notice most about life coaches and you know and uh, inspirational speakers and all that is they come up with these catchphrases mm-hmm. and structures, right? The pyramid of power or whatever it is. <laughs> yes. So I'm going to give you Mark's rule of life coaching. Okay. 
well, the problem with life coaching. Okay. And it's called the rule of two ones. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's you pretty could, good. Oh, it's I catchy, like it. right? Oh, okay. okay. The first one is one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Life coaches tend to have a an approach that they apply to everyone and they, they may do one-on-one coaching, mm-hmm. but I would bet dollars to donuts. And especially if they're working out of Tim Hortons, like that one lady was, <laughs> the, there's probably the a lot of donuts. Yeah. There's yeah. probably a lot of donuts that they are doing the exact same thing for everybody. Mm-hmm. The second one of the rule of two ones. So you have to say it over and over again. So it gets, you know, in your client's brain, mm-hmm. right? The second of the two ones is one trick pony. Mm-hmm. And that is you've identified one thing that you think is the thing, authenticity, narcissism, um, possession by demons, whatever it is you think is that one thing. Mm-hmm. And that is, you are one trick pony. That is the only tool in your toolbox mm-hmm. and you apply it to everyone universally. So, or even if you don't have one tool in your toolbox, you have a toolbox. And yeah. within that toolbox, there are these tools. Right. And then those, because that, then and you do now them over and over. You do them again. And that's the like suite of tools that you yes. have. And that's like Nexium, right? right? And you have the different levels and yes, uh, Scientology, yes, yeah. same, of course. right? All yeah. right. So we watched this documentary. And as we head into the end of this episode, one of the things that we saw in this documentary was exactly that, which yes. is. They were trying to apply kind of the same tactics with people who, and and to be fair, and the premise of this was these were people who were going to these life coaches and it wasn't their true story. Right, they, they made were, up a they, story. They made up yeah. a story. There was a story that was presented to them and that story then was meant to be dealt with by the, the life coach. And each of these people had different stories. And really what you saw was, number one, they were trying to make money. Yes, and they were trying to push people quickly into signing yes. up for a series of right. sessions. If you act them, today, you'll yeah. get it for half price. Right. Because my advice is somehow different tomorrow. I don't know. Well, you know, it doesn't really make sense. It do, it, that, it's not perishable. No, but they're they're putting a sense of urgency on yeah, it. They're course. commodifying yeah. their business. They're using psychology on you. Yeah, is what they're they doing. are. They honestly are. Um, and then the other that was very alarming is that they were not moving quickly enough in a couple of the cases to say, hey, you need to see a psychologist. I yeah. can't help you with this. And right. the one really upsetting example was a man, a, an out gay man in real yes. life who was pretending that he wasn't very comfortable with his sexuality. Right. And the he kept talking about the fact that he was th- considering self-harm. Right. And the life coach ignored it several times yeah. before he said, "Okay, okay hey, well, listen, maybe this guy, yeah. You need to get you need to get some help." Which I mean, look, I'm as I've mentioned, I'm not a psychologist, but I was a resident assistant. So it's kind of like being a psychologist. <laughs> oh god. Right? It is life coaching. I had at least 2 weeks of training. Oh wow. Well, but see. they had always told us that as soon as someone mentions self-harm, even if it seems maybe in jest, you have to contact somebody. Are you and you have to ask them, are you thinking about hurting yourself or others? And if you think there's any possibility they are, you have to contact a professional immediately. Right. And this guy didn't do that at all. Well, first of all, he's a gay conversion. Yeah. He was started. Coach. He wanted to I mean, try that's and a convert problem him. right there because it's not a problem you need to fix. Die, yeah, fix. You just need to work on how, it, you know, how it works in your life. And yeah. And he's just like, oh, yeah, well, don't kill yourself or anything. Mm-hmm. So, and he moved on. And then finally, finally, after like three or four times where the guy just had to come right out and say, he says, well, you know, maybe I think I would just be better off if I just killed myself. Mm-hmm. He's like, 
oh, well, this could be a potential liability here. Maybe I better say something. Did you think it was ethical what the broadcasters did? No problem with it whatsoever. None whatsoever. Because if they paid the money, if the life coach is is not hurt by it, if they're behaving ethically, right? Um, Is it a bit of a gotcha? Yeah, but I don't have a problem with that at all. What are you going to do? Take people with real problems and tape them? Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, if they're a good life coach and they're faking it, you know, maybe you should pick up on that a little bit. I wondered about their sample size. I would have liked to have seen a larger sample sure. size. Sure. Maybe they, were they like, did what? Three or four. Well, maybe they went on Yelp and like these guys got the most complaints because, of right. course, well, I mean, you're they doing it for do a per- you have a they have an axe to grind, which I do understand. Right. I don't think it's a good w- reason to indict the entire field, mm-hmm. but I think it's a good way to highlight some of the red flags that exist within that field. Right. Which I think are legion. Before we wrap up, let's talk about this from a perspective of why do you think that this appeals to people? Life coaching. Instead sure. of why would what is it about life coaching that would people would say, "Well, I want to do that instead of psychology." Yeah. So, one thing that they meant, yeah, one thing they mentioned in the documentary is that it seemingly has has less of a stigma attached to it. If you say, "Oh yeah, I have a life coach." They're like, "Oh yeah, that's cool." Like Tony Robbins, yeah, he's got really nice teeth. And whereas if you say, "Oh, you know, I'm going to see my therapist." They're like, "Oh, he must be a basket case." Right? Which is terrible and unfair, but that's how a lot of people still see it. It's gotten a bit better, I would say. People have become a little bit more accepting of mental health uh, needs and uh, professionals, but that's one thing. Second is this idea of the quick fix. My life is a bit of a shambles right now, but if I just pay this $5,000, I'm going to be well on my way to wealth and fame. I think it's that same kind of appeal that get-rich-quick schemes have these are basically like get well quick schemes and sometimes get rich quick schemes too. Yeah. And I think that's the appeal. No, I agree with you. I think that there's nothing I can really add to that. I I think that you're spot on. It's the takeaway I had having watched that uh, documentary and also doing the research that I did. It feels trendy. Oh, it feels, it feels like uh, a feel good. It feels when, I mean, I remember when it was kind of becoming a big deal like coming out of the 70s. That was yeah. such a time to feel free to be yeah. you and me. And, yeah, exactly. Well, uh, and, by the way, <laughs> I watched that movie when I was a kid in the 70s. It's yeah. called Free to Be You and Me. Yeah. And it was very hippy-dippy, yeah, touchy-feely, uh, and it really, get in touch with yourself. So I'm not surprised that the, a lot of the majority of people who are seeing mm-hmm. life coaches are Gen X, you yeah. know, uh, people. Yeah. Let's stop here. And we're going to talk a little bit about what's coming on the next week. I think it's going to we're going to wrap up this series yeah. next week by talking about when life coaching becomes actually dangerous. Right. We said here life coaches gone wild. Yeah, ultimately we think life coaches can be good. There can be very successful life yeah. coaches and I think probably the, majority yeah. of them are I don't neutral. think any of them can't be though uh, replaced with a better version by seeing an actual professional. Therapist, yeah. yeah therapist, a financial analyst, mm-hmm. uh, whatever it is. I think most of them, just because of the lack of, you know... Uh, Regulation. Credit, yeah. I, well, you, you know, I think that you... The risk is lessened if you're if you're working with someone that has to have credentials and, that, and, right. and is in a regulated industry because then they're in a regulated industry. If yes. they're doing something wrong, 
there's going to be a body yeah. uh, and the government is going to be looking at that. Or if they do have a particular expertise in a narrow field. Just in general, if you're coaching life, too nebulous, too ill-defined, no training requirements, no requirement of use of science in any way, I'm out. So next week, we're going to be talking about a couple of places where life coaching has become dangerous. Nexium is an, is one of them. Also, we're going to look at a documentary about the Lighthouse Life Coaching Group that's in... It's in What's that smell? <laughs> cult- is that a cult? <laughs> it's a cult. Uh, in, uh, in England. That's a, yeah. in England. So we are going to talk all about that in our next week's episode. But for now, I'm just going to say bye. Peace out, Cub Scouts.